0: Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. This series has been probably one of my favorite ones that I have done. And, you know, you all's favorite series, probably what I do, is not my favorite series. Because I hear all these things and they come back to me and you're like, man, we really like what you're preaching. I'm like, well, it's tough preaching this stuff, you know? And then I come to this series, and I really enjoy it. And one of the reasons why I enjoy it is because I think I've never looked at the seven churches. I always looked at it like, okay, this is what God has a problem with us about, you know. But I've been looking at it from the side and the affection that God has for his church. And every... Thing that we see in these seven churches and the affection that God has towards these seven churches is the same affections and the same call that God has for you and I with the same challenges with the same desires that God has that God is showing us so I have called this series of course this is part three we'll be finishing out this month with this and it's called no gains with God and we are going to take one church at a time from this moment forward in this series, and today we're going to be looking at Thyatira. Before we get there, I want to remind us what these churches look like. The first church was Ephesus, which means desirable one, means that we are a church that God desires. And God had issues with that church, like He, he called them out. So even when we have issues, He desires us. And then you have the second church, Smyrna, which represents a church that God anoints, that every church God has called us to be anointed. And then the third church is the church of Pergamos, which represents a church that God lifts up for. We are to be a city on a hill for the world to see, a light to a dark world. And then today, the fourth church, Thyatira, literally means dother or perfume. In fact, some interpretations talk about not always a perfume that smells good. But a perfume that actually can, that has to be sacrificed. It would have to be something that becomes broken or sacrificed in order for the perfume to go up. That type of meaning. So, daughter or perfume. And it's something that we are the bride of Christ, and he calls Thyatira a daughter. And we're going to discover today that there was a daughter in the church, a literal daughter, a literal child of God. A real person by the name of Jezebel that we're going to talk about some today, too. But Thyatira is a church that definitely had a lot of things going well like some other churches. But, man, they had some deep-rooted issues that they had to deal with. In fact, they was in trouble because they wasn't dealing with it. He's like, listen, you alls going to have to deal with this woman. I'm dealing with her, but you all don't need to be lying in bed with this person causing problems. And we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. It says, And to the angel of the church of Thyatira, write these things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love. Now listen, he said, I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. He he commended him for six things. He said, You've got a lot of good works going on. You have charity, you have service, you have faith, you have patience, you have increased works. In fact, he commended them that they're doing more now than they were to start with. That you're doing a lot of ministry. Listen, you can do a lot of ministry, but yet have some things wrong. You can do a lot in the kingdom and not have it right. And sometimes, I think sometimes we're so focused on the works that we forget the, 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 the real true call the church. And where God wants us. And I think that, you know, you'll see this new life group season, we're going to do some things differently. So I'm already selling life groups to you. But God told Kristen, if we don't do something differently, we're missing it. And I said, for us, I talked for me and Kristen. I wasn't as a church. I said, for me and Kristen, we, we got to step up our game as pastors. And uh, I feel like that sometimes, and don't get me wrong, there's seasons you're supposed to be doing all that. But then there's seasons that God brings things back, Okay. And it's been, it been something that God's just really put up on my heart that I believe the church better find its bones again. And, and what I mean by that, and you'll see when I get into this, is if you remember when Joseph died, this is totally not in my message today, so I know it's from the Lord, this is free. Um, but you remember when Joseph died, he said, don't let my bones stay here. You he know, I'm going to die in Egypt, in other words, a place of bondage. But when they finally left, hundreds of years later, what did they take out of Egypt? They took the bones of Joseph. And sometimes I think that we have bones that God's given us, but if we don't watch, we'll leave them behind. And I think that if there's ever been a time in a season that the church better know its bones and know what bones God has called us to have that makes us what we are, it's now. And we better get down finding those bones. And we better not be too busy for the bones Maybe I'll preach this in August coming, but we better not be too busy for the bones. We better not be, be bypassing that. We, we better get back down to the nuts and the bolts of what the church is. Because we're in a time where we are being tested. So take it as a prophecy today. Take that as a prophecy today. Those are things that have been on my heart for the last couple weeks, but not in that manner. So we'll take it as a prophetic word. That would be equals the tongues and the interpretation. And I really feel the utterance on that today. But at looking at these churches, we're seeing these challenges. But also, God is so affectionate about us, he lets us know. And I likened it last week, and I've done it to make it f- f- be funny for us, but that we can relate. You know, it's just as hard for me to point out a booger on somebody as it is for them to point it out on me. It's embarrassing. Oh, man, you're like, man, I'm, I'm glad you told me. But, you know, it's embarrassing. But I think I'm more embarrassed about telling someone about the booger. Like, you're looking at it like, I better tell them. I don't want me to be the one to tell. I wish for someone else. would. you tell them they got a booger? You know, but God really doesn't do that. God really just tells us what our boogers are. And we got boogers. We got some ugly boogers. And the church does. And we, we need to repent of those things. And we need to straighten up. And, and when I preach this today and we're looking at this, this church wasn't all wrong. It's just they had some people in the church that were. And there were some holding fast. The majority was faithful and holding fast to those bones I spoke to. So let's challenge us today. So Revelation 2 and 20 said, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You know, that's never a good conversation. He said, because you allowed that woman Jezebel, a real woman by the name of Jezebel in the church, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Now, we got to understand Jezebel, no doubt, is a real person. But also, we have to understand with the way that Jesus is describing her, she looks just like the Jezebel that was married to Ahab in the book of Kings. Just like it. See, Christ has a few things against the church. Here and it was to do with this lady by the name of Jezebel. In the old testament, Jezebel controlled her husband. She's actually not the she did not look like she had the power of the throne, but she was the power behind the throne. Ahab didn't do anything unless it was approved by Jezebel or and she commanded it, he did it. And Jezebel led them into idolatry and other abominations. Jezebel had been a leader's had been a leader's spouse to gain this platform and to teach, and and she had stationed herself in such a way that it led other people astray. All right. So this church Thyatira, disappointed God in a few ways. First thing is that permitted Jezebel to teach, permitted her to have a say. Second, permitting her to seduce God's servants to commit adultery, but we're not talking about just physical adultery, but there was spiritual adultery too. And today there's more spiritual adultery happening in the church than any time that we've ever seen. It's, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, there's a lot of cheating on God. Uh, and, And I told you last week and I made sure it was up there and, and, then, you know, I like put different colors on things. If I have a different color, like a yellow in a moment, that means I really want you to see it. And, and I had a yellow last week talking about whatever we are more affectionate towards more than God, then that is our idol. And you know, that challenges us every every day. We are challenged with idols right in our face. And, and sometimes we don't realize that we have done it because it's become emotional for us. And we've allowed idols to attach themselves to us emotionally. And then we have affection towards them. And we chase those idols more than we chase God. I really am concerned for the church. You're like, you're concerned for the church. you got one of the bigger churches in the area. Listen, it's nowhere near where God's called us to be. and the, And God's called our churches to go so much further in this area than what we are going. But I believe if we don't. Get really serious and get rid of the spiritual adultery. Then we are missing some things. But also, we are not only looking at sexual immorality as far as adultery, but we look at it too that there's just so much fighting against the church today for the minds of the people. All right? So he said, permitting her to seduce God's servants, she taught it was okay to commit sexual sin. Really physical We're not talking about spiritual now She taught that it was okay To have sexual sin Now that word fornication In the New Testament Or that word that you look at sexual sin there Is is the Greek word poroneia Which actually where we get the word pornography If they don't mind throw that up on the screen It should be your next slide I think But this is where we get the word pornography from So this is what makes pornography wrong Is that when we look at the Greek, fornication, poronia, where we get the word pornography. This is something that people are permitting daily in their lives. At camp meeting this year, our overseer on Wednesday night preached probably, he is 70 years old, 72, with a beard down to here, looks like Moses. And he preached the most upfront sexual immorality message that I ever heard. And I've never seen an older man attack it like that. I went, "This man is brave." I'm like, I'm like, I'm sitting back here going, "Preach!" About ten people, amen, in him because it's so quiet and everybody's in shock because they allowed their children. Some of them didn't take the children's church. They're like, "There's a children's church provided. Your fault. You let them sit in here. They need to hear it now. They're hearing it at school." But we are living in a time that people believe that this, these things are okay. I love everybody. God loves this church. Yeah. God loves the church he's speaking to here. But he's letting him know that it was not okay to have sexual immorality, which would be homosexuality, which would be all adultery, which would be fornication, which would be uh, viewing pornography. Yeah, that all those are cheating. Yeah. Listen, you view pornography, man, you're cheating on your spouse. Yeah. Might as well be laying with another woman. Pastor, I can't believe I came here on this July morning. (laughs) But we wonder why we're not anointed. We wonder why we don't have church like we did 25 years ago. Yes, it's okay to look different and methods look differently. But the anointing's not changed. We should have such Holy Ghost services and Holy Spirit in the church. That it was uh, that we feel the drawing, and there should be conviction for these things right. of holy living again. Right. Then I'll go on. They're eating food sacrificed to idols. You know, i never really studied it out. I'm guilty of that. I'm just like read right over the, they 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 went. But if you really studied out what that actually means, is that the members of the church that was with Jezebel, that they were partaking in pagan love. They celebrated with gross immorality and feasting. And they would go there to eat. It was not the food that was bad. It's just that the places in which this food was provided was full of sexual morality and full of other immorality that God does not stand for. So it was like an idolatrous festival, is what it was. And they went there and they would eat the food with all these false gods there and sexual immorality and other immoral things just taking place. I believe that we don't even realize that many moments, I believe we do, I shouldn't say that because the Holy Spirit convicts us, but many times we are having our own idolatrous festivals. And God's saying and pleading, I want to be number one. But we got him at number two or number four or number seven on the list. We have him on the list. But he's just not number one. And anything before him becomes an idol. So coming back to Jezebel, God gave her time to repent and she didn't repent. And the name Jezebel had a powerful association. If you call someone Jezebel, it's like calling someone Hitler. You Jezebel, you might as well just call him Hitler. Stalin. Here's another one. Judas. You're just a Judas. So it's always a strong thing to call this woman Jezebel or or refer to someone as that. But she was one of the most evil characters in the Old Testament. I mean, she was vile. She had no regard for God. She attempted to combine worship of Israel with the worship of the idol Baal. So Jesus said, who calls herself a prophetess? In other words, she was telling people, I'm a prophet." She was telling people, I am God's voice. Now I know you're gonna think I'm crazy, but these type of spirits that oppress people are drawn to churches. They are, they're drawn to churches because it gives them a voice. Okay? I have seen some big Jezebels in the church. And I, they wasn't named Jezebel, no one came out and called them Jezebel. But it can be a man just as much as it can be a woman. But it's people that have to have control. It is people that have to have a voice. It's people that are manipulative. It is people that are always undermining, that always has an alternative modem. You see it a lot in the world today. Our culture is full of the spirit of Jezebel. You can come to church, confess Christ as Lord and Savior, but be oppressed by a depressed spirit or oppressed by a Jezebel spirit. Okay. So I have seen this over the years. I remember the worst case I ever seen was like in like year 2000. It's like the century folds. And I mean, I I am exposed at a young age. I'm like, I didn't know church people could act like this. But when I look back at it, this person had everything that a Jezebel spirit had. And this woman always was sick so spiritual, why is she so sick and there's always something wrong, whether it's emotional or physical, she's really that spiritual, she should be walking on water and healing everybody (laughs) and I never did get it, but then after I look back, I'm like, oh wow and because there's a challenge and you're going to see that God gives that, he's like, I give her time to repent and because she didn't repent, something begins to take place, thyatira meaning daughter, it had a daughter in the church that brought forth a worship that was not of spirit but of flesh and if we don't watch, God has called us to be a church of the Spirit first, and not flesh. If we don't watch; we will birth fleshly things and not spiritual things. And Jesus even said this would happen in Matthew twenty-four and eleven that many false prophets will rise up and deceive many is what he said. And Jesus described the specific sin of this woman Jezebel was that she was immoral and she had an ungodly influence with others and that other people were laying with her following her. In other words, he would say that it's basically like they're laying with her, like they wasn't literally sleeping with her, but they was basically in the same bedroom with her. They basically was listening to her and just following that. And we have a generation today with so much spiritual adultery in their lives that they like it's okay and they do it in the name of love and God's love but God also points out the boogers They don't mean we go around embracing the boogers and saying the boogers are good yes it's okay to have God loves us in spite of our boogers He, he does love us but also he wants us to repent of them and not continue to carry them he wants us to wipe the boogers out with the blood of Jesus repent of them and be cleansed all right So it says in Mark 9, 42, it says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he wore and were thrown into the sea. In other words, he's like, listen, you don't need to be leaving people astray. If you're leading people astray with spiritual adultery, it's better you tie a rock to your neck and throw yourself into the sea. Because worse things are going to probably happen. Later in this letter, Jesus reveals to them that the work of Jezebel and this false doctrine, he calls it the depths of Satan. That he that she led them into the depths of Satan as scripture describes. I mean, that's a lot of trickery. That's a lot of manipulation. That's a lot of false selling and false advertising and misleading. The spirit that we're talking about and the spirit of Jezebel today, we see it so much in the world. Just look at your politics. You can't trust any of it. They're all manipulative. They're all undermining. They're all all got something they want to sell, it seems like. I just can't listen to any of you. You'll never hear me embrace a political leader or back it up. And no matter how moral they are doesn't matter how moral they are. I, I'm just not going to back them because I'm not seeing the evidence or the fruit of the Spirit in what I would call political leaders today. How can we trust any of them? I think God's trying to tell us today that we've trusted in our politics too long, that we need to trust in the Lord. That should be a challenge. should be an eye-opener. That no matter who's in there, it's all failure as far as morality None of them are preaching the gospel that we preach. They get silent on this stuff. But our spiritual adultery can be our politics. There's people preaching politics as if it's the gospel of Christ. Jesus didn't even preach politics. He's the greatest teacher to walk the earth. We need to preach Jesus and him crucified. When we lift him up and not DC and not a political party, but we lift him up, all men will be drawn unto him. <laughs> to get up under what we call the anointing behind a sacred desk and present political things. Revelation 2:21 says, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual morality, and she did not repent. Jesus' greatest accusation, it's his words, it's red letters. If this woman Jezebel is that she did not repent and she did not repent, that means the Holy Spirit must have dealt with her. But yet she didn't repent. I think the church needs to repent. She apparently rejected the work of the Holy Spirit in her heart calling to repentance. And, And we find the words of mercy in Jesus when he said, time to repent. Time to repent. He said, I gave her time to Repent. That's mercy. God gives us time. No other greater mercy can I see here. I see mercy. I see love. I see God pleading with this church and pleading with this woman and pleading with those that follow her. He is really pleading. See, there's a time when God says, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. That's Genesis 6 and 3. There's a time God deals with us. Romans 1 says God will deal, deal, deal if we don't repent. He will turn us over with a reprobate mind. Sear our conscience with a hot iron. That's church people he's talking to. That's not sinners. That's not sinners. I ate with you today. I plead with you today. We are I mean I had someone send me They was out of town. They didn't send it in a bad way. They didn't mean it in a bad way. They come to church here. They send me all these marches saying, you know, get rid of the Bible. and You know, and and, and all these immoral immoral sexual sins. I mean, all of them. I mean, they was going through in the streets. And I said, this is what the shameful part is, is that they haven't had a God experience to know. We know. I said, but. They haven't had a God experience. I said, so we can't judge them. God, yes, one day we'll judge them. He will deal with them. He will give them a time. He will give them an opportunity. But they haven't had a God experience. What the problem is in in the church today in America, definitely, because I can't speak for the whole world, but in America is that unless we have a true God-sent revival, this is not going to change. We don't have a true God sent revival. And can I and you may see it differently, and if so, you can talk to me afterwards. But this is where I step out on, on some bravery here, because I don't know everybody's probably going to agree with this. That's fine. But I can't make God send revival. I can pray. I can I can fast. But I can't manipulate God to send revival. I can't fast so much. If it's not God's time to send revival, don't, I can't fast and make him send revival. But I can be aligned with his will and fast when he tells me to fast. And be ready in my life, for life and pray. I can't make God heal me. I can't make God heal you. But I can come into alignment with his word. And with faith. And there's times that God manifests that healing. And there's times we even seen in that three-day revival with Nick Walker here when he was going everywhere. We baptized 300 people or something in the middle of COVID. I mean, my heavens, people wearing masks, no masks. It was crazy. But only God sends those special moments. I can't orchestrate that. And I will tell you that was the most praying bunch of kids I've ever seen in my life. They'd start here at 3 o'clock and start prayer walking. I couldn't even get through the balcony to get to the media booth. I had to step over bodies. Praying. I went, mean, I can't get mad at that. Over chairs, and you know I'm not the most limber person, and uh, I'm not the most balanced oriented person. And, and but you know, I was thankful, but they didn't manipulate because they went to the very next week and it didn't go like it, like it did here. I'm just saying, but then the week after that, it meant it was people were wrecked again. Uh, and, and but we I'm just telling you we need to be ready for when God is going to send it. That's where it needs to be because judgment starts in the house of God, not to those marching, not to pride walks, not to all these other marches of immorality. That's all. Judgment starts here. Like pastors on one today, y'all and people at you should have been there. Go back and watch the stream. <laughs> But you know, he's trying to deal with this group and deal with Jezebel. And, and the Bible lets us you know a little leaven affects the whole lump of dough. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven. So the, the, the whole church, the majority of the church wasn't behind this woman and behind this little coup of people, <laughs> but it was affecting the church. Can I tell you, it's hard to confront things that are wrong. It really is. But can I tell you, when God deals with me about our church, he always confronts me. It's me. And I told you what, we're gonna do a few things in different life group season. Any big shifts, but it's for me and Kristen. It's not really for you, it's for us. We gotta be obedient to the call for us. But Jesus wants this church, a Thyatira, to just seek him. He's called them to be worshipers. But their worship is in a different angle. They're doing all these things right. And they're even doing more than what they used to. But they are all been affected because they're allowing this woman to have her way. And false prophesy of the church. And lead people raw, down an immoral path that's not right. And then let's go down to verse. I have to skip over a lot. Revelation 2, 25 through 20, 22 through 25 says, indeed, indeed, I'll cast her into a sick bed." That's the reason why in Mark 9, 42, I read it to you about just putting a stone around your neck, throwing it into the sea. It's better to do that to yourself is what God's saying, then allow me to deal with you this way. This is New Testament. This is under the grace. This is God's love. This is grace. He said, indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, lest they repent their deeds. I will kill her children with death And all the church shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thy Tower, as many as, and he said, as many as do not have this doctrine. Who have not known the depths of saying as they say. I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. So here's the key. For us that know that we are living our life the way we ought to before God. He said, just keep holding fast. Don't let the world or the culture enforce this upon you. Don't let, if there's other churches falling for it, don't let them enforce that on you. You, you hold fast. Listen, you've not went to the depths of Satan. You've not went to the manipulative immoral ways. So don't 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 move for away from the things you're doing. Hold fast. He said, I'm going to deal with it. This is the craziest thing. I know some of y'all are gonna walk out here and not believe me. But I watched these two people. One of them definitely was really bad with the spirit of Jezebel in their life. They were so oppressed with it. And another one was too. They was going to war with each other. This lady became so sick and her family was so tore up. And everybody that was with her had never seen so many people get so sick. This woman died at a very young age. And she was always something wrong. The other guy, totally different family, very sick, had to quit working. I hope that he is still living, but still unhealthy today, I hope he's repented of his ways. But I look back and I see all of that prophesying, all that manipulation, all that trickery. And that wasn't even under my ministry, it was under my father's ministry, my dad's ministry. And I can remember that time how much torment and how much it affected the church. But also I've seen people that stuck to the things that were right and how much God blessed them. Today we don't see the spirit of Jezebel so much in that way. We see it more in marriages. We see it more in businesses. We see it more in, and I'll go ahead and say it, we see it more in in, in little leagues and, and in sports and and you see it everywhere, like people just controlling and our hands are gripped upon in the community, but you see it so much in the world. It's the spirit of the world. And it has a lot of just people gripping and trying to control other people. And it's scary. Yeah. That it's so much in the world and a lot of undermining, a lot of manipulation, a lot of behind-the-scenes backbiting. That is definitely not the order of God for us. So what was the sickbed? The sick bed, an ancient Greek word for bed here, is called banqueting couch. Meaning, he said, I will strike her down in in, in the place of this forbidding feast. These forbidden feasts that she's in. This banqueting couch. Unless she repents of her deeds, I'm going to strike her down in that place. So it's talking about in the very place in which she does her idolatry things, I'm going to strike her down there. So unless they repent of their deeds first draw them to repent of their deeds, and they wouldn't listen, so he said, I'm going to put her in a banqueting couch where she banquets and eats her meals off of the idols. Second, it was to give her an example of holiness to the other churches and to let them know, listen, I'm not going to put up with this. If you'll stand strong as a church, I will deal with it. In other words, God tells the church just today. No matter if you're having to deal with this at your job, no matter if you have to deal with this in your marriage, if you have to deal with this in your family, God says, let me handle this. Don't you go to the banquet couch with her. He said, for I'm going to handle it. Hold fast till I come. He said, I will show the world I'm still a holy God. And then he says, mind and heart. He talks about minds and hearts, which literally means, when you look at them, I mean hearts and kidneys. Which ancient Jews, the heart was the place of the intellect, and the kidneys were a place of emotion. Jesus said, I know your every thought, and I know your every feeling. He said, Listen, you hold fast. He said, I want you to know, I know what your heart and your kidneys have. I know what is your mind and your heart. I know your every thought, I know your intellect, and I know your feelings. Today, you might say, this thing's got me under attack in the world. I didn't even realize it. But it's had me under attack. God says, I know your thoughts. I know your feelings. I know how it affects you. He said, just let me handle it. said, hold fast till I come. In other words, don't join in. Don't give up and just join in. You cannot let those under a Jezebel influence or compromising lifestyle to distract you. We as a church set back. Now, here's you again. This is probably very controversial, but I feel really good in my spirit about saying this. Why do we get so offended at the sinners that sin? Why? They don't know no better. They haven't had the experience we have. For us to get mad at their immorality is crazy. (laughs) You know, when you're a kid... Is doing all those crazy things in Walmart when they're really little. They're throwing fits. I mean, they don't know no better until you keep taking them to Walmart. And then finally, they learn how to act. And Kristen and I, you know, we've said we used to take Ethan everywhere. I mean, we took him everywhere with us. Now we leave him everywhere. (laughs) Right? We leave him all the time. He's okay with that. But I can remember we took him everywhere, but then we'd find parents that would never take their kids anywhere. So when they did take their kids somewhere, they didn't know how to act. (laughs) Until God can get us to these places and these experiences, then we're not going to know how to act. And how can we expect the world and sinners to act the way we act when they don't even know they had not even been to the spiritual Walmart in which I'm speaking of? (laughs) Quit getting your eyes on what they are doing. Turn it to God. Don't let it bother you. Man, I have not gotten anywhere I want to get with this message today. But anyways, if Corey, Chris, if y'all don't come on to the music today, I'll keep y'all all all day if I don't get them to come now. And they know their cue, but I have to skip to the cue. But there's a spirit of Jezebel influenced by demons. They're They're influenced by power of demonic forces that oppress people. Francis French wrote this, this one spirit has almost totally responsible for corrupting an entire nation and in it, its principality has come in full force against our nation. Jezebel's name literally means without cohabitation. You cannot cohabitate with, unless you say yes to Jezebel, you cannot exist. Jezebel's got to be in charge. You can't confront Jezebel. You can't try to uh, have a strategic advantage. It will find you out, so you have to stand up against that in the world. So there's a spirit of Jezebel in the world. There, yes, there's people that I have mentioned that comes under that influence I very quickly gave you today. I could do a, probably a five-week sermon series just on the spirit of Jezebel, but after a while, you'll be like, okay, we, we're jezebel out. But this simply just remu- rem- means she refuses to live together or cohabitate with anybody else. See, the spirit of Jezebel is an evil, demonic force. Doesn't know a a gender. It's just a spirit. It works against the flow and the wisdom, the counsel, counsel of God through manipulation and through domination and intimidation. And the world is constantly trying to manipulate us, dominate us, intimidate us. But also you'll find people in this oppressive spirit do the same thing. 1 John 4 and 18 says this. I mean, how do we deal with this? He says, perfect love cast out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You shouldn't fear the world. You shouldn't fear people. But if you have the love of God, then you serve God. And now that you have peace, even though if the world keeps spiraling to immorality, and even if there's people in your life that are very controlling and manipulative and dominating, and you can have the love of God in your life. So how do we overcome this? God tells us that we just got to surrender our will and our into our will and desires to him is basically what we need to do. How do we overcome the spirit of Jezebel? Just surrender our will and our desires to God. We certainly put him on the throne of our heart. We just need to repent. Church, we need to repent. You know, I can call you to repentance and say, let's pray in this song. And I believe people do repent from their seat. And I do believe people come to altar and they repent. I I don't know who needs to repent or not, but I think sometimes we need to repent on behalf of our nation, our church, our region. Ask God to forgive us collectively because we're in it. So God help us repent. We repent of what's taking place in our world. But when are we really going to grab a hold of God? He, he, he's here. He desires us. He loves us. Today God's anointed you to speak to the circumstance that has control of your life. What's controlling you? The the story is pretty cool, i still got a few more minutes here, so the story is pretty cool with the way Jezebel in the Old Testament was dealt with. There's this man by the name of Jehu that God had rose up, his name actually means he is Lord. Talking about God is Lord and Jehu was called to take out Jezebel. And when he went in town to confront Jezebel, Jezebel likes to hide. The moment you begin to confront someone oppressed with the spirit of Jezebel or culture and it has this spirit on it, it tries to hide in different forms and different ways. But the name of Jesus can tear down any wall even when it tries to hide. And God's anointed you to proclaim that God is Lord. There's nothing else that will satisfy the throne of your heart unless God is on the throne of your heart. And I believe it's time to control your, je- to confront your Jezebel. that in no, the words, it cannot control you any longer. It should not be taking your time. It shouldn't be taking your focus. Because that's time God wants. And that's focus God wants. And, and when Jehu went to go get Jezebel, she's trying to hide. They were so scared, Jehu rose up. They threw her out the window. The dogs came and licked her corpse and ate her. And Jezebel was left her skull, her feet, and her palms. The skull represents the way of thinking. Jezebel's way of thinking. That's not God's way. God will deal with it. The feet represents the way which she walked. God will deal with it. And the palms of the hands represents who she served, which was not God. Even today, we experience thinking that we're walking in this world. We have an experience with God. But this culture, with the pressures of it, is a spirit of Jezebel intimidating, dominating, manipulating. Even when Jehu came on the scene to kill Jezebel, she painted her eyes before the window, looking out the windows. And the eyes are the window of the soul. She tried to hide who she was the spirit tries to hide. But you can ask Kristen for years. I said, "I, God allowed me to be exposed to so much Jezebel at a young age as a 19, 20-year-old minister and watching other people deal with it in churches and evangelizing, watching my father deal with that. But then today, it's more in the culture than it is with people in the church. I said, I tell Kristen all the time, I said, I can sniff out of Jezebel. I can walk in the room and tell you if someone's oppressed with you doesn't it doesn't take much for me to figure it out along but I think God allowed me to see that but this culture I think the church needs to realize it's always trying to intimidate it's always trying to dominate and it's always trying to manipulate especially the media is full of Jezebel that's why you gotta get your attention off of because it gets your emotions involved and your emotions gets tied to those things that intimidate and dominate and manipulate and next thing you know, you're on the same platform with them. But you need to declare Jesus is Lord. And say, there's no fear in me because, we sang it earlier, he, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm not a slave to this world. This world is very cunning. This spirit is very cunning. It appears angelic, it appears well and good. But it sucks you right in and then you're entangled. Today, I call us to repentance. I call us to get a true heart. I call us to lay down idols. I call us to make Him number one in our heart again. I, I call us, not because I do, but I feel the anointing of God calling us. Get back to the bones of the ministry and of the faith. And what you know is right and moral and good and fervent before God. Let the church arise and his enemies be scattered. Will you stand with me today? I didn't even give you half of my content today. But I feel good in my soul and my spirit. When I say these times are for us just to go after God, yes it is. I'll pray for the sick. If you're sick today, you've got needs, I'll pray for you. If you need prayer clause, we've already had people tell me I'll, I'll get those one we'll minister at time. But however you want to worship in this moment, whether it's come to the altar today, whether it's worshiping your seat, kneeling there, I will go after God. Don't be passive. But in your spirit, in your own way, be aggressive saying, God, I do want you. Not, this is not lips. But this is heartfelt, God. I want you. I don't want to be dry. But I want to be full of your spirit. I want to be a light in this world. So as they sing this song. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.